Welcome to this podcast of sermons at CUNY United Methodist Church. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For, tru- for truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anybody who sets aside one of the least of these commandments and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commandments will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. So we are talking about Jesus' greatest hits. And in this next section of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is talking to us about fulfilling the law. This Jesus' greatest hits, is, uh, these, these chapters, these three chapters in Matthew, chapter 5, 6, and 7, are a core part of how the Gospel author tells us Jesus saves us. There's, there's two ways in the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus saves. One is death and resurrection. When Jesus rose from the dead, the whole world changed. And the other is the teachings, this way of life that God has given us, that Jesus has given us, of walking in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus had gone about curing people, casting out demons, went up on a mountain. The disciples followed and hear these teachings. The crowd is at a distance. So these teachings are are what Jesus is giving his disciples. So we can imagine ourselves sitting right there. We've decided to follow Jesus. We have have made um, sacrifices in our life so that we can be with Jesus. And he started with the Beatitudes, those, those words of encouragement, those proper attitudes and compassionate actions that are blessings, and that create blessings. And then Jesus addresses a major charge that had been made against him, that he came to do away with the law. And he says, no. That what he is teaching, hang on, I'll get this figured out. That what he is teaching is not replacing or getting away, doing away with the law, but is fulfilling the law. And so that we can really think of the salvation that Christ offers us is a Jewish salvation. Jesus was a Jew. All the disciples that gathered around him were Jews. And when we say law and fulfilling the law, we're referring to the Torah, the five books of Moses, what we would call the first five books of the Old Testament. In Hebrew, it's it's Torah, in the ancient pronunciation, it's Torah. The Greek in, that Matthew was using is nomos, and is translated into English as law. It could be just as well translated instruction. And Jews discussed the Torah all the time, then and now. All adult Jews would discuss the Torah, and Jesus is getting right in there discussing it. And he is answering that charge you're trying to do away with the law, and he says, no way, not to abolish, 
but to fulfill. And he's letting us followers know clearly those, those Hebrew scriptures, those are our scriptures. The God we follow, the God of the Old Testament, is the God of the New Testament. And those scriptures are sacred for us. And then Jesus interprets. Jesus builds a fence around Torah. Torah, it outlined that covenant, that relationship between God and people that was saving. And in the Old Testament, oftentimes, the salvation of God, people experience in a very real way in protection in battle. I mean, that was a common thing of armies arriving. Just this week in my family, we read the story of David and Goliath. And David was Israelite, young, small. Goliath was Philistine, huge warrior. And they were coming to invade and to plunder and burn and those nasty things folks do in war, kill. And when David goes out to fight Goliath, he's not going on his own, although we know David was pretty clever. Instead, he says to Goliath, you come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. It is God who defends them in battle. So it's super important to not mess that relationship up. It's super important to have that protection from God, that salvation. And so that is why they built, it's possible it's still user error. That is why they built a fence around Torah. This is the, the image I showed the kids. I remember once Rabbi Dan Fink was giving a talk. He's a rabbi down in Boise, and he gave a great example. He says in Exodus, it says, you shall not boil a kid in its mother's milk. A kid is a baby goat. And so that building a fence around Torah in kosher law, you um, do not eat dairy and meat together. So there's no possible way of messing up and breaking that commandment. And so that's part of kosher is, is no dairy and meat together. And then he said, he said, so as a Jew, there's nothing more puzzling to me than a ham and cheese bagel. Bagel is a Jewish bread with ham, which is pork, which is not kosher, and dairy. <laughs> anyway, isn't it funny after, so I heard him say that years and years, and it makes it stick in my head. You know, and, and I gave an example with kids. We do that with kids. We have rules, and then we have fences um, that, that, that help them uh, stay safe. So Jesus is building a fence around Torah. He starts with building a fence around murder. Would you read these words with me? You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So Jesus takes the command against murder and he extends it to forbidding anger. Because we know that's how it works. Murder is not the first thing. It starts with anger, name-calling, insulting, 
dehumanizing, and it rises up to violence. And so Jesus is getting at that core value of the command to not murder, which is in the Ten Commandments. Jesus is citing Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5, and he extends it and says that core value is, a, is, is against violence that goes all the way back to anger. He extends it to how we are to live with our brother and sister. And this is a piece of artwork about the um, Spanish Civil War when neighbor against neighbor um, rose in anger and insults and it rose to the level of violence. It speaks, Jesus' command against anger speaks to the seriousness of angry words and of insults. We hear, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. And now we all say, absolutely not. Words is where it starts. And so we hear that, that command against insults and anger. Now, to be clear, because there's more to the gospel, Jesus is not forbidding righteous anger. Like, like the anger when he goes and cleanses the temple. Or anger against suffering, or anger against indifference, or anger against injustice. He is talking about that kind of anger that dehumanizes the other and is the escalation to murder. Jesus builds, let's see. Oh, whoops. Jesus builds a fence around adultery. Would you read this with me? You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is citing Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, you shall not commit adultery. Now, at the time, adultery was sexual relations between a married woman or betrothed woman and anyone other than her husband or her betrothed. And Jesus is building a fence and says, fence around adultery and extending it to lust, and specifically male lust, which at that time was not considered part of adultery. Now, to be clear, Exodus 20 already forbids male adultery, which was, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife. But Jesus is extending it to lust. Lust is that form of greed, that desire to possess what belongs to somebody else, and in this case, neighbor's wives. But also, Jesus is extending it to, to lust, that, that greed that is not based in relationship. And then he says, he goes on, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And perhaps, if at least his, his command against lust doesn't do the job, maybe the imagination of self-mutilation will do the job. <laughs> oh, my notes are in funny order. So Jesus builds a fence around divorce.
He says, whoever divorces his wife, let him give, him a cert- give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So there already was a process for divorce in the Old Testament. Jesus is citing Deuteronomy 24. But it was very explicit. So it was, if a man divorces his wife and she remarries, he can't remarry her again. So it was very explicit, and it was mostly against remarriage. And here we have that extension that it's not just divorce, but it is, um, or it's not just remarriage, but it is divorce, except for sexual immorality. So we are going to look at the Greek there, if I can find it. The Greek that is translated sexual immorality is pornonea, which actually is a very vague meaning. And it does mean sexual immorality, which could be, you know, adultery or um, other immoralities. But it's vague enough that it could also mean um, unfaithfulness or desertion or abuse or even loss of affection. And the message here, later on, we will hear that, that Christ's relationship with the church, Jesus and the church, um, is reflected in that marriage relationship. And so a Christian marriage is one that reflects that peacefulness, that cherishing that, that exists between Christ and the church. So when we hear about Jesus speaking against divorce, please hear it in that context. That it, is about, that it is about that loving connection that reflects Jesus' relationship with the church. It is about, the message is about peace and fidelity and love as opposed to war and indifference. Jesus builds a fence around violence. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, give your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to the one who asks of you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. Jesus is citing Exodus 21, Leviticus 24, Deuteronomy 19. And it is that eye for an eye, it is about compensation for damage to body parts. So this was also in Roman law. It was in Babylonian law. Apparently, this was a problem. And there is actually no evidence that this maiming for maiming was actually carried out. In fact, the rabbinic texts of the time talk about financial compensation. It is interesting to note, this was in Roman law, and Roman law had a different compensation for a high-born person than for a commoner. And in Torah, there is no distinction that all bodies are created in the divine image. And Jesus is taking this command around physical um, damage, physical hurt, physical injury, and actually moving it over around humiliation. The the culture was an honor culture. We are not. So it's hard 
you know, sometimes to get my mind around what it means that insulting honor is much worse than any kind of physical injury. But think about this for a moment. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, if it's a right-handed person, that's a backhanded slap. That's a slap of humiliation and dismissal. And so you have three options. One, you can hit back. Well, that extends the violence. That perpetuates the violence. Jesus says, don't hit back. You can cower, which maintains the injustice. And Jesus says, don't cower. Stand up straight and offer your left. Face the perpetrator. And in doing that, you are pointing out their wrongdoing and shaming them. Jesus was brilliant at this stuff. And so since we don't have that in our society as much, sometimes it's harder to spot. But I remembered in reading this, this wonderful scene that I think exemplifies it. Has anyone seen the movie Romero? It's quite old. It's about Oscar Romero. It's maybe, it's only 20 years old. <laughs> um, Oscar Romero was archbishop in El Salvador during a civil war that was going on, um, lots and lots of military violence. And they were suppressing anyone who would speak out against the military. And they did it with death squads and killing people. So the death squads would go out and kill anyone who was against them. And this archbishop was actively working against that and defending the people who were being killed. Um, and there were others that were doing investigations. And one was a woman I cannot remember. And I should have looked her name up, but I didn't. Um, and they, in the movie, she's abducted at night. And then the next scene is at the landfill. And you can tell it's been a very rough night. And they push her back into the landfill like they did when they took people when it was time to get rid of them. And they told her, on your knees. And she stood up straight. It was a way, it's a, it is a resistance to violence that is based in honor. Jesus says, don't extend the, the violence. Don't lose your agency and maintain your honor by pointing out the wrongdoing of the other. Jesus builds a fence around limiting love. Oh, this is, this is a photo of the actual um, Oscar Romero and people in his area. I believe he, so he was actually also killed by the military, I believe in 1980, um, while celebrating worship that was being radio broadcast so everyone would know, this is what we do with people who go up against us. So Jesus built a fence around limiting love. You have heard that it was said, would you read this with me? You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Jesus is citing Leviticus 19, love your neighbor, which is another Israelite and Leviticus 19, and love the alien as yourself, everybody else. Love your neighbor and love everybody else. 
And then he locates it as we are children of God and children act like their father. So as disciples, as followers of Christ, as children of God, we are called to act like God, loving the good and the bad, loving the righteous and the unrighteous. For David, following Torah was protection. It was protection in battle. And Jesus takes the Torah and extends it for us, the disciples, like many other rabbis of his time. He gets at the core values of the commandments and he interprets them for us. He teaches us how to live, how to live a saved life right now as a follower, as a child of God, as a person walking, as a community walking with one foot in the kingdom of heaven. Thanks for listening. This podcast is preached almost always by our pastor, Reverend Mia Crosswaite. CUNY United Methodist Church is a community on a mission to make disciples for the transformation of the world. To support this podcast and the missional priorities of this church, go to cunaumc.org and click on Give. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you things.